And the name Isaiah means Yahweh saves. And this is a message that the people of God needed to hear when Isaiah was giving prophecies because they were in a very difficult circumstance. All around Jerusalem, villages and countries were falling, falling to the Assyrians and eventually also to the Babylonians. The, the outlook was very negative. The outlook was very grim. But God sent a man, a prophet. And more importantly, he sent his word. The same word that was given to the people several thousand years ago in Isaiah's day is the word for us today. And the name Isaiah means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is the name of God. It's a special name. So special that the Hebrew people wouldn't even spell it out. They wouldn't even use the vows. It was a sacred special name. And we're here to lift up that name through Jesus. The message of Isaiah is God saves. It means that no matter what situation you're in, God has a good outcome. Doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through a tough time. Doesn't mean that there aren't challenges. And sometimes on the journey, it even feels like the wrong team is winning. But the message of Isaiah is that God is sovereign. God has a plan and he is bringing his salvation. We have tasted his salvation, but salvation is not just a conversion. Salvation is his plan unfolding for the whole world. We will stand before Jesus and because of the cross and because of what Jesus did, the only way, Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. Yahweh has a plan and he was sharing this plan with his people. And he did so through, through a metaphor. Because God tries to help us understand spiritual truths by giving us word pictures. And a word picture that God used was the vineyard. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the vineyard. And I, I want you to turn to Isaiah 27. But we're actually going to look to two passages. Isaiah 27 is our main text. It's our main passage. But you can't understand... Isaiah 27, unless you also understand Isaiah chapter 5. Now, in the first couple of years of my marriage, Beth and I were trying to find common, common hobbies and things to do together. It kind of landed on this thing called church. That's kind of our common hobby. She sings, I preach. That's what's been going on for 15 years. But early on, we were looking for other things besides church because that's important. So there was one particular year that we planted a garden. And we planted flowers. And you've planted gardens and flowers, so you know, you know how this works, that you cannot plant a garden, you cannot plant a flower bed without intentionality. You don't just accidentally have a great garden. It takes work. It takes preparation. It takes maintenance. It's not just planting, planting your flowers or your garden. It's a weekly, really a daily exercise of doing all the things necessary so fruit will come. Something I learned pretty quick, that you don't have a great flower bed simply by going to Lowe's or Home Depot and buying the flowers. Because I would buy these flowers and set them on my porch. And they did not get into the ground. They didn't just automatically grow. And so there were a few times that the flowers wilted the vegetables died because it takes work. You have to prepare the soil. You have to uproot the bad stuff. You have to nurture. And this, 
this uh, metaphor or picture was very easy for the people of Isaiah's time to understand because all of them were, the, the vast majority of them were part of the agrarian society. As we as city dwellers, most of us urban dwellers, it might be a little bit of a stretch for us. But you have to understand that the preeminent, the crown, the crown jewel of gardening would be a vineyard. A vineyard is great. A vineyard is special. A vineyard is romantic, right? Eric, is a vineyard romantic? I don't know. That. Okay, girls, help me out. Is a vineyard romantic? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Beth, for not leaving me hanging. Some women think a vineyard's romantic and it's special. So let's start out in Isaiah chapter 5. And you're going to get some warm romantic feelings before they shift. Now, I want to remind you of something about Isaiah. And this is certainly not an academic presentation of Isaiah. Isaiah is a hard book. But what's not hard about Isaiah are the promises of God because those are true. Uh, The timeline of Isaiah shifts and it changes. But one of the lessons we learn is that God, God judges sin harshly, but he always has redemption. So God says some very difficult things and hard things. And God makes statements that demand people to respond because his holiness demands a standard. But then he comes alongside those very, very harsh statements And he brings his redemption and love. So now in Isaiah chapter 5, starting with verse 1, it says, Let me sing for my beloved love songs concerning his vineyard. I told you that vineyard was romantic, even though none of the women backed me up here. I knew it biblically that vineyards are supposed to be romantic. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Here's the transition. I mean, everything is a picturesque story. I mean, everything's going good. The, the, the man picks out a great place to have a vineyard. He gets it all prepared. But here's the problem. The vineyard did not produce the fruit he was looking for. Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I look for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, which is its protection, and it shall be devoured. And I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain No rain upon it. It's a tough word. It's a tough statement. Something you don't want to hear from God. God says the fences are down. No more protection. No no more. No more thorns are going to take over. No more water. This vineyard did not produce the fruit I'm looking for. Because of that, I'm going to let it go unkept. I'm going to let the vineyard go wild. I'm going to let the vineyard... Go back to nature. Go back to its instincts. It's not going to be cultivated. It's not going to be directed. The vineyard's going to be wild. It's going to be unkept. It's going to be abandoned. Now, I want to make a note of something here. It's still a vineyard. It's still a vineyard. It's just not a vineyard producing the fruit God wants it to. It's not a vineyard doing what God wants it to do. 
Now let's go to Isaiah 27. Because this is the heart of our message today. And you can't understand Isaiah 27 without realizing that people were aware of Isaiah chapter 5. And there's a great contrast. And we see the judgment of God that has to happen because of His holiness. But now it's accompanied by His redemption. And it says, in that day. And last week I reminded you that in that day is not only proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ, but the second coming of the Messiah. So we're talking about something that's happened and has yet to happen. I mean, this is the hope we have, that even though the people of Isaiah's day were in difficult circumstances and their nation was at its lowest point and that they were misplaced, that God said, in that day, There's a better day coming. There's a better opportunity coming. There's a plan that I have, even though today is difficult. And let's read about that plan. In that day, a pleasant vineyard. Sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. And every moment I water it. Now, this is an interesting part of the scripture. It's almost like a hypothetical. God says, if enemies happen to come, they're not going to come. But if they happen to come in this day... I would take care of it. So it says, lest anyone punish it, I keep it night and day. I have no wrath. Would that I had thorns and briars to battle, I would march against them. I would burn them up together or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. In days to come, Jacob, which is another kind of a nickname for Israel, the Jewish people. In the coming days, Jacob shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. Fill the whole world with fruit. What does it mean? Fill the whole world with wine, with something special and delicate, something unique, something that has to, has to be produced. That's the purpose of the vineyard. So we have one vineyard. In Isaiah chapter 5, it's unkept. God said, I'm done with it. I'm done with this vineyard. I'm going to let it go back to nature. No more cultivation. I'm not going to protect it anymore because it's not producing the kind of fruit I want. But then there's another vineyard. Isaiah 27, God said, in that day, in that day, something's going to change. Something's going to shift. And I want to talk to you about that day. And I want you to know that this runs parallel in two ways. First, there is the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. And I'm going to resist the temptation to talk about that a lot. If you don't know, I'm very passionate about God's plan for the Jewish people. And I believe that that we have seen this come to pass in a measure and it will come to pass in a full measure. And before you check out and say, well, who cares about Israel? I don't really want to hear about the Jews. I don't want to hear about the peace of Jerusalem. I want to tell you this, that every time you see God bless Israel and bless the nation of Israel, it's a sign to you. It's a sign that God keeps his promises. It's a sign that God doesn't give up on his covenant. It's a sign that God has a chosen people and you're part of that chosen people. It's a sign that because God has a plan for the Jewish people in Israel, he has a plan for you. And that's a good thing. So the Jewish people are the vineyard. They went, the, they went um, back to nature. They didn't have a homeland for hundreds of years. And recently, is last, last century, now the vineyard is coming back together. And God's keeping it. God's protecting it. But this applies to you, too, because I want to tell you something. 
about myself. I want to tell you that there's been a lot of times in my life, I'm sorry to say this, but it's just true, that my vineyard has been unkept. My vineyard has been unprotected. My vineyard has not produced the kind of fruit God wants. Whether it's my moral behavior, whether it's my attitude, whether it's the spirit that I have, whether it's huge choices in behavior, or whether it's small choices and words that I choose, that I know that the vineyard of my heart has not produced the kind of fruit God's looking for. And it's, he's come. He's, he's, he's prepared my life. God has come and he has saved me. And he has prepared the soil. And he has put up his hedge of protection. And he has planted, planted the seed. And then when he came looking for fruit in my life, he found wild grapes that he couldn't use. So that's been my story. And I think it's been your story too. So we've all been there. We've all been to that place where where we're not producing the kind of fruit God wants. We're not doing that. But God has a better plan. And in the vineyard of our heart, he has a different different vision for us in a different vineyard. And this is some of the things that he's saying to us. Let's go back to Isaiah 27, verse 2. It says this, In that day, a pleasant vineyard sing of it. The Lord am I, excuse me, I the Lord am its keeper. That's the first word I want to share with you today, to keep. And the Lord is keeping you. Isaiah chapter 5 was a song, a song of vulnerability. It was a song of exposure. It was a song of judgment. But Isaiah 27 is a song of protection. It's a song of trust. It's a song of sustainability. It's a song of support. It's a song of help. God is the keeper of the vineyard. God is the keeper of your vineyard. And he is here to protect you. He is here to watch over you. He is here to make sure that the kind of fruit that he wants is going to come to pass in your life. God is going to make your, make your vineyard successful. That's a guarantee. Your vineyard will produce a kind of fruit God wants. Now, when I use the word success, all of a sudden, dozens of definitions came up in people's minds around this room. So what is success? What is success? It's God's definition of success. My definition of success is very self-serving. My definition of success is very tainted. My definition of success is very limited to the knowledge and understanding that I have. But God has a definition of success. And if we can trust him, that he is watching over the vineyard of our heart, that he is protecting us, that he is the keeper, that God is looking over our vineyard. And God is protecting it. And God is desiring for the kind of fruit that he wants to happen to be produced. And because of that, he's watching over. And he cares for it. And he wants the best for us. God is keeping your vineyard. This this means many things. It means that there's going to be a protection around you. Now look at the contrast back in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 6. Here's the contrast when it's not God's vineyard. When it's your vineyard, he says this, I will make it a waste. Is that not a hard, hard phrase to hear from God? I will make it a waste. I'm going to be honest with you about something. 
If you are a believer in here and you are not connected with the presence of Jesus and not walking in the Spirit, your life will be a waste. I'm not the one to question salvation. I'm going to say you're still a vineyard, but you're not going to produce the kind of fruit God wants you to have if you are not connected to the Lord. You might be able to produce earthly success through human effort, through human talent, through human maneuvering, through human position, positioning. But the kind of success, the kind of fruit that God wants only comes through him. That's why Jesus said this, those who abide in me will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That doesn't literally mean in this world that apart from Jesus, we're not going to be able to function. It means apart from Jesus, we won't produce the spiritual fruit that he desires. It has to be by the Spirit. So it is. God is keeping our vineyard. He owns it. He cares about it. He's looking for a certain kind of fruit. And because he's looking for a certain kind of fruit, he's going to prune and he's going to take care of us. And he's going to defend us. When the enemy comes in to attack us, God's going to defend us. God's going to defend us and God's going to make sure the vineyard survives. And the the vineyard produces the kind of fruit he wants. He is here to keep us. Here's the second word I want to give you. God's going to nourish us. He's going to nourish us. Now let's go back to chapter 5. And you'll see verse 6 again. Uh, it says, we just read this, we'll read it again. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 6. I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned. Uh, let's go further down. I have certain, certain underlined under the word nourish, uh, nourish. I will make it a waste. And then at the end it says, I will command the clouds. They rain no rain upon it. The bottom of the six. I will command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. That's a very, very bad circumstance for a vineyard. You have to have rain. You have to have rain to grow. You have to have rain to, to have nourishment. Rain replenishes the soil. Rain makes the nutrients come back again. I lived at the same house here in Tennessee for 10 years now. And one of the things I love about Tennessee, there's many, many things I love about Tennessee, but one of them is this. I can only remember watering my lawn one time in 10 years. Now, on weekends like this, we're kind of tired of the rain, and I'm certainly sympathetic for those who have dealt with flooding issues. But in Texas, where I grew up, and and Beth and I lived there three and a half years as adults, that watering your lawn was not just for cosmetic reasons. That if you didn't water your foundation, it would affect your property. Because the, the ground gets so dry, and it starts cracking, and the slab foundations will crack, and so... We would have to put super soakers from July to September, super soakers around our foundation just to water the foundation. And certainly, vegetation needed water. Water is a good thing. It replenishes. It makes the soil new again. It, it makes it makes things fresh. It, it, it brings new life. And in Isaiah 5, 6, it says, I command the clouds, no rain upon it. Tell you when when people harden their heart against God, they can't receive His rain. When they harden their hearts, they can't receive it. They become an unkept vineyard. No nourishment, no rain. Now look at the opposite of this. Back to chapter twenty-seven and verse three. 
I, the Lord, am its keeper. And every moment, I water it. Every moment, I water it. I want you to get a word picture in your spirit about the Lord sending the right amount of rain. Not too much, not too little, but that perfect rain that's going to replenish your soul, that's going to nourish the soil, that's going to make your heart ready to receive the word, that's going to make your devotional life something special. Because when your heart is hard, your devotional life doesn't mean anything anymore. When your heart's hard, sermons get real boring. I mean, preachers, we make sermons boring enough as it is. But then it gets real, real boring when your heart's hard. But when you have a touch of his presence, the rain, the rain, the rain keeps your heart soft. And it replenishes your soul and replenishes the life. And God says, when I'm looking over your vineyard, I'm watering the vineyard. I'm bringing new rain. I'm bringing refreshing. I'm bringing new life. I'm bringing something new to you again. That's why I love Acts chapter 3. An insight that we got from Peter in verse 19. He said, Peter said this, Repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. Repent means if you're thinking the wrong way, turn around and start thinking the right way. If you're acting the wrong way and you're doing something that opposes the will of God, turn around and start obeying the will of God. If if you're disconnected from the Lord and you're not making time in your schedule for church and devotionals and spending time with Him, change your habits. Repent. Turn around. You're walking one way, now turn the other. What you're doing is you're turning away from sin and you're turning away from the systems of the world and you're turning to something. To somebody, the presence of God. And the touch of his presence is the word picture for his, for rain. Rain's going to be the word picture for his presence. A touch of that. See, that's why, that's why we don't have preliminary songs before the sermon. We have a touch of his presence before the sermon. And then after the sermon, we go back into music. Why? It's a touch of his presence. It's the reign of the Lord. It's the reign of the Lord. That's why it's a good thing. Is you, want to, you want to be here during the worship. We, we, we had a nice time of worship. It was just, there was a settling here. There was, there was the, the Lord, for those who were aware, for those who were in tune, for those who were settled in their hearts, the Lord was here. And he touched us. He touched us and he was here. And that was rain. That keeps your heart soft. That keeps the soil of your heart healthy. That, that gets you ready to receive every good thing God has for you. He's sending his rain. He's sending his rain. He's sending his rain to vineyards that produce the kind of fruit that he wants. Unkept vineyards. Vineyards who have gone wild. Vineyards who have gone back to nature. They don't get the rain. God doesn't send the rain anymore. Can I say the Lord wants to nourish the good things in you. There's a battle, guys, between the flesh and the spirit. I wish, I wish that once... Once we, we hit a place spiritually, we didn't have to battle the flesh anymore. It just that hasn't worked out. What happens is what we feed, we receive. So when you feed the flesh, 
the flesh is going to be more appealing. When you feed the Spirit, you're going to have a soft heart. You're going to be able to receive more of God. That's part of the parables that Jesus said, that He gives more to those who have more. More of God, more of His peace, more of His authority, more of His anointing, more of the, of the good things of God that He has for you. He'll give more to you as you seek more. I, I, I just thought of the song Beth led. The more I seek you, the more I find you. If we disengage, we let our vineyard go unkept. If we, we don't produce, we won't produce the kind of fruit God wants. It goes back to nature. It got, it, there's no defenses. We're vulnerable. The fences are down. God's, God's not defending this. It's, there's thorns. There's bristles. Instead, let's be that vineyard that receives the nourishment God wants. Receives everything. Here's the last word. The word cultivate. God wants to cultivate the kind of fruit that he's looking for. He wants good fruit. He wants the things that he desires. Look at verse 2. We go back to the story, the first narrative about, about this, 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 this man who planted a vineyard that was God. He dug it, cleared it of stones, planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, doing everything right. And who'd out a wine vat in it? And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Didn't do what he intended it to do. Now look at verse 6 of Isaiah 27. I love this. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6. In days to come, Jacob, or Israel, shall take root. Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with its fruit. I tell you, we're going to see that happen. I believe that, that as God culminates his plan for this world, we're going to see a great movement of God among the Jewish people. We're in the middle of it right now. We're, in the, we're, we're at the first fruits of it right now. We're in the middle of history right now. We're seeing things happen, happen that men have prophesied for years about. But here's the issue for today. That's a sign unto you. That's a sign unto you. God's speaking unto you. And he's saying, I'm bringing the fruit in your life that you need. I'm bringing the fruit that I'm looking for. Your God is your keeper. He is keeping your vineyard. That means he has authority over your vineyard. He can uproot what he wants to uproot. And he'll plant what he wants to plant. And he'll defend what he wants to defend. Because he is preparing the soil. He's nurturing the soil. He is bringing his life. He's bringing his life. And he is bringing the kind of fruit that lasts, the kind of fruit that matters, the kind of fruit that's going to bless the world. Can I tell you that this planet and this world is going to be blessed by the covenant God made with his chosen people. And we're going to see a movement of God. I believe that God's going to use his covenant people to, to, to show his plan to this world and to have his world come forth. And so it is, it's a sign unto you that God is going to use your vineyard and God's going to use you and he's going to bring forth the fruit he needs, the fruit he desires, the fruit that he wants. And God's fruit is better than your fruit. God's fruit is sweeter than your fruit. God's fruit will touch the world. And the fruit might be different than what you expected. And it might blossom at a different time. And it might come in a different way. But God's way is always better. He's always worth waiting for. You have to trust him. Would you trust him today that he's your vineyard? The same God who spoke through Isaiah. Yahweh say, 
days. And he said, this is a hard word. This is a difficult word. Tough times are here. But in that day, God says, there's a better vineyard. There's a better fruit coming. That same God is speaking that word to you today. And he's saying, believe in me. Trust in me. Let me come and create the environment of your life. And create the situation of your life. So I can bring forth the fruit I want to see in you. That's what God wants to do. Amen. Amen. Let's pray about that. God, I pray for my friends here. Lord, thank you that Jesus, you are the fruit. And Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. I need to talk to you a little bit more. I forgot the best part of the sermon. So here we go. You can listen to me in a heart of prayer, but you can look at me if you want to. So here it is. You know, You've seen a movie where, where a man and a woman have a plutonic relationship and there's a secret admirer in there. And at the end of the movie, the woman realizes that the secret admirer who she had been imagining to be somebody else was her friend. Now, it would have been really helpful if I could have thought of a movie to help you with that, but I couldn't. So I'll let you fill in the blank. But this is what happened to God's people. They were aware of Isaiah 5. And they were aware of Isaiah 27. And in their mind, they were imagining a Messiah that was going to come. And was going to raise up a nation state with a powerful government and a powerful military. And that would have advantages over the world in trade and commerce. And through that nation state, that the Jewish people would rise up and overcome people through earthly power. And that's what they expected the vineyard to be, a great, great country. And we often put our hope in political and military power instead of the Lord. But something happened that they didn't expect. There was a new teacher and a new rabbi who began to teach with a new authority, an authority they'd never heard nor seen before. And while the other rabbis had put rule upon rule upon the people, so much so that the people were so burdened that religion was dead because it felt impossible to serve God. And now this new rabbi with authority came to him, came to the people and he said, listen to me, my yoke, my rules are easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all of you who are weary, who have tried to build your own vineyard. Come to me, who, all of you who haven't been able to keep all the rules. Come to me, all of you who have an unkept vineyard. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. And you're going to find rest for your soul. And everything, listen, the, the new teacher said this. I am not going to bind you on earth to rules that aren't bound in heaven. And I'm not going to loose, I'm not going to loose things upon you on earth that haven't been loosed in heaven. I am here for you. And Jesus came and he was the surprise that people didn't expect. He was, in this analogy, the secret admirer that was never recognized. And in John 15, chapter, John chapter 15, one, he says these words, I am the true vine and my father is a vineyard keeper. The people who heard these words knew the scriptures I shared with you today. So what is the fruit? It's Jesus. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. We automatically think the fruit is something else. 
more of Jesus in the way you think, more of Jesus in the way you talk, more of Jesus in the way you act, more of Jesus in the way you respond to crisis, more of Jesus in the way you respond to success, more of Jesus in your marriage, more of Jesus in your job, more of Jesus in your ministry. That's the fruit. More of Jesus. He's the vineyard and the father's the, the gardener. And he's taking out and uprooting everything that's not of Jesus in us. And the fruit he wants is Jesus himself. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. God, thank you. There's a stirring. This is a very important last few minutes we have together. This is very important because the scripture is very clear that Satan wants to snatch seed from you right now. He wants to snatch seed from you right now. Whether it's the worries of, uh, of the rest of the day whether it's the desire for riches, whatever it is, the, the, the word is very specific without me retelling the whole parable here that God wants to snatch this word from you right now. So I want you to mentally stay engaged right now because God wants you to know some things today. You're still a vineyard, but you're an unkept vineyard. You're still a vineyard, but you're not producing the kind of fruit that God wants you to have. I'm not here to scare you scare you out of hell. I'm here to call you to a greater life. Salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. Salvation comes only from him. And now that we're saved, now that our destiny is in heaven, we have a vineyard. We have a vineyard that's unkept. We have a vineyard that's not receiving the nourishment we need. We have a vineyard that the protecting walls have fallen down. The Lord has said, quit building your own vineyard. Now let me take over the vineyard. Let me cultivate you. Let me nourish you. Let me be your keeper. Let me be your defender. Let me begin to rearrange things in your life so more of Jesus will come forth. Let me begin to produce the fruit that I'm looking for. When we stand before God, we're not going to care. We're not going to care what our friends say. We're not going to care what our parents say. We're not going to care what our spouse say. We don't want to care what others in our industry or others in our in our place of, of vocation think. We're wanna, we want to hear from the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful service, uh, servant. I went to your vineyard and I saw the fruit that I wanted. I Your vineyard produced the fruit that I want. That's what matters. That's what makes a difference. Not all of the things that preoccupy our attention or preoccupy our time. Our, it's a lie from the enemy. The enemy's trying to distract you. The enemy's trying to make you feel less significant because you haven't achieved some kind of standard of earthly success that God has not defined for you. God has a different fruit. And the only one that we need to please is the Lord our God. No one compares to him. And he is looking for fruit. God, look to us right now. Would you, would you just submit your heart to the Lord right now?